What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney After his first CrossFit workout in college Noah Olson knew he was hooked Noah went from being a scrawny kid with an athletic background to one of the world's top competitors in CrossFit. In this episode, Noah talks about his mindset and how it's changed over the years to help him be better both in competition and in his personal life. Noah talks about his training regimen, diet, recovery, and so much more on this episode of What Got You There. If you're like me and love to travel, then listen up. Are you looking to get outside your comfort zone in 2018? Are you tired of the monotony of your nine to five job with no adventure? Do you want to connect with new people on Epic Adventures? If so, then Globekick is what you're looking for. Globekick is redefining travel for the millennial generation. Globekick knows that memorable travel is built on the quality of the experience you have and the people you connect with along the way. That's why their members can choose from curated travel experiences throughout the year with like-minded people. Unlike other travel providers, Globekick members get to know each other through a private social network before choosing when and where they travel together. In 2018, they've teamed up with partners around the world to feature a Sahara Desert camping trip out of Morocco in May, a boating journey through the Sandblast Islands in the Caribbean in August, and a volunteering trip to an elephant sanctuary outside of Cambodia in December. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then head to globekick.com and enter WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. That's globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. Noah, welcome to What Got You There. How are you today? I am so, so good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, of course. You can already hear it in your voice, your positive energy. Uh, it's infectious. It's something you see when you're competing at the cross le- CrossFit Games. But I want to know, growing up, how did your family describe you? Man, that is a good question. I would have to ask them. Um, I I don't think that I really broke out of my shell and got into the positive mindset thing until very recently. I think that I kind of finally became confident in who I am as a person. And that just allowed me to be a little bit more positive and more happy and not as concerned with what people thought of me and the way I was acting. Um, I think for quite a while, going through school, I was a little bit insecure and always trying to fit the mold of what I thought I should be. And now I just feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin. And I think that lets me be that way. Well, I mean, it's cool to see from an outsider's perspective and and just how you appear uh, on screen and and how your infectious energy, just kind of the people around you feed off that. So I'm wondering, was was there a particular moment or, or thing that occurred to you that allowed you to all of a sudden break out of that shell and feel more confident and be able to be yourself? It's definitely developed over the last um, almost decade, I would say, which is crazy to think that I'm only I'm 27, but to be talking about decades makes me feel old. <laughs> but um, I think that it started to a certain extent when I started doing CrossFit, which was about almost nine years ago at this point. And that just kind of, I don't, I don't know what it was around that time, but I was a sophomore in college and I had moved to Miami and that just allowed me to have a little bit more of a a happy-go-lucky attitude and just life felt good. You know, I was in school in an awesome place and I was doing this thing that I was enjoying every single day. And I was really loving school as well at the same time. So life was good. And that kind of gave me the perspective, like, just, I don't know, just everything's so good. Why be upset? And 
but I, I think that was just the beginning of it. And then within the last couple of years, it's, it's grown from that into also being able to share that and realizing that that can have an impact on other people and to be kind and to try to spread a little bit of light in the world where it can seem dark for some people. Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to look back uh, in your CrossFit career, whether it be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and it's not going to be about how important you were as a competitor, but kind of the, the impact you had on both the people that you worked directly with and then also the people who watch you. But I mean, you jump into the CrossFit scene about nine years ago. I want to get more of that origin story. What was your athletic background like prior to that? Did you play a lot of sports growing up? For sure. Yeah, I actually, I played lacrosse, which I believe you played as well for quite a while. And that was kind of my thing. That was my sport growing up. I, I did a, a little bit of everything when I was like a, a young, young kid. I played t-ball and soccer and flag football, but my dad had played lacrosse in college. And I kind of got into that when I was, um, how old was I? I was probably like seven or eight years old when I started playing lacrosse and played for about 10 years, like almost up until high school started. So maybe not quite 10, but seven or eight years I played lacrosse and wanted to go all the way with that. I wanted to play in college, play in the pros. I went to camps every summer, played on all-star teams and travel teams and club teams. And when I got to high school, um, like I said, that I, I kind of, I never, I never was fully, fully comfortable in my own skin and felt um, nervous that I, my family had moved from West Palm beach down to Pembroke pines, which is kind of like the Fort Lauderdale area when I was in sixth grade. And so that was really hard for me because I had grown up in one area, finally made friends, like did actually probably feel pretty comfortable in that group. And then we moved and it was kind of a tough transition at that time. And so from middle school all the way to high school, I had made this new group of friends and I finally felt comfortable there. And I had to make the decision going into high school. All right, do I want to move again and go to a brand new school with brand new friends and try to chase this lacrosse dream? Or I can kind of be a little bit more comfortable with this group of friends that I've made and go to the high school that everybody local is going to and try to figure something else out there. And I decided to do that. And so I had to find a new sport at that time and really had no idea what I wanted to do. I wrestled for a year. I kind of enjoyed that. Not really. It wasn't really my thing. And it's interesting because the aspect of not being on a team, like being an individual and having all eyes on you and all the pressure on you, I hated then. And it's funny because now that's what I do and, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of thrive in it. So I don't know where that change came from, but I ended up my sophomore year of high school stopping wrestling and starting to swim and play water polo. And I did that all the way through the rest of high school and then a year and a half into college and sophomore year of college was when I found CrossFit and fully transitioned into that. Clearly, I mean, a, a very extensive athletic background. How much of working out and was fitness a part of your routine during your time with water polo, lacrosse, the other sports you were playing? You know, it wasn't until college that I was really interested in the fitness and, and strength and conditioning aspect of the sport I played. I always cared a lot more about the sport itself than the conditioning for it. And I, even looking back on high school, I remember we had our conditioning days and the weight training days. And I never, 
I don't know. I was never into it, which is funny to me because now it's what I do full time. But, um, when I got into college, I hate to say it, but I'll admit, I think the reason I got into weightlifting and the fitness side of things was really because of aesthetics. Like I wanted to look good. I wanted to be ripped and jacked and blah, 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 all that good stuff. So that was when I started caring about nutrition and weightlifting and cardio and all that stuff. And then when I found CrossFit, it transitioned from aesthetics to athletics and performance. It's funny though, how the transition occurred to athletics and performance, but the aesthetics came with that uh, as well. So that kind of worked out nicely for you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember your first CrossFit workout? I do for sure. I do. I, so I've, I've told this story a few times. I'll give it a very abridged version of it. But because I was chasing the looks, I saw a poster with this guy who was running on the beach and he was jacked. And I was like, whoa, I want to look just like that guy. And it turns out that that's actually now my current best friend and mentor and all these roles that he's played to me. His name is Guido Trinidad. And he owned the gym that was right around the corner from the University of Miami called Peak 360. And so I saw the poster. I was like, I want to try that out. And I went in one day and did a fight gone bad style workout. So it's five different movements and you do a minute max reps at each station and then rest a minute and repeat that three times. And, um, I can't remember exactly what the movements are. I know there were some overhead walking lunges with plates, rope climbs, which I had never done before, some box jump overs and a few other things. And I remember being in it, like in the heat of the battle. And when I finished, I was like, whoa, this is a whole new world and I love it. And I was the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> I, it, It's so cool that like your first workout was that light bulb moment for you and you realized that your, your life essentially wasn't gonna be the same. I'm curious on like day two, next workout, what's the narrative like in your head? Are you all of a sudden just so enthralled and love doing this? Or are you like, hey, I actually wanna compete and be someone in this sport at some time? I think I was still curious about it. I wanted to figure it out a little bit more. And it was, I'm not exactly sure, but I imagine a couple of weeks or months into it in CrossFit, if people are unfamiliar with it, when you're doing it at a CrossFit gym in group classes, it's more for health and fitness and not necessarily a competition. But because you're doing it in a group with other people, you end up kind of competing, even if it's not said outwardly in your head, the guy that's doing clean and jerks next to you, you want to try to do one more rep than him or just finish a little bit faster than whoever you're working out with. So I kind of realized that I had this new competitive outlet where I wasn't playing water polo anymore, where I could score a goal and win a game, but I could just edge this guy out on a workout. And that felt good for me inwardly. So, um, I think pretty soon after I'd started, I realized I enjoyed the competition side of CrossFit and talked to Guido and realized that, oh, wow, there's actually competitions for this stuff. There are local competitions. There's this thing called the CrossFit Games where it's the Super Bowl for CrossFit and you can go compete and make it. At that time, it wasn't really a living, but it was still a really cool thing to do. And so I decided, all right, well, this exists and I'm really interested in it. What do I need to do to compete in that? And so started doing a little extra, some strength work, some skill work, and had a long way to go before I was going to be able to be in a position to compete at the CrossFit Games, but I was pretty determined. 
So from your first workout ever to your first competition, I'd like to know how long that was. And then from that first competition, how long until you actually entered your first CrossFit Games? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm not exactly sure how long it was from when I started doing CrossFit to when I did my first local competition. I remember exactly what competition it was. It was called the Ice Monster, and it was down here in Miami. And I would imagine that it was somewhere within a year of when I had started doing CrossFit. And I competed in the intermediate division. So it wasn't quite the scale division, but it wasn't the RX division. So it was right in the middle. And I ended up winning. And that was really cool for me and kind of a reassurance that, all right, I'm on the right track and I do want to keep doing this. And um, it from there it took much longer to be able to qualify for my first CrossFit Games. And that is kind of a, a three-step process. So in CrossFit, you have the Open, which is an online competition where you have to have your score validated by the gym owner or submitted on video. And that's like a five-week process. And if you qualify through the Open into regionals, you go compete at regionals and can qualify for the CrossFit Games. So 2011, I did the Open, did not qualify for regionals, was super bummed out, even though it was with like not even a year since I'd started CrossFit, I had high hopes. 2012, tried it again, qualified for regionals that year, did not make the Games. 2013, qualified for regionals again, Still wanted to make the games, but I had finished 24th at regionals the year prior. So wasn't really sure how things were going to go at regionals in 2013. And to my surprise, after the first day of competition, I was sitting in first place. And I was like, whoa, this could actually happen this year. I, I wanted it to happen, but I don't know if I was ready for it. And here it is. And unfortunately, uh, I don't know if it was a combination of that, like maybe not being ready for it, but I ended up going from first after the first day, I think I dropped down to third on the second day and then finished in seventh on the last day of regionals, which they only take the top three. So I didn't end up going to the games in 2013, but had a taste of it, got a little bit more confident, was kind of prepared that I could do it. And so in 2014, I came back, I won my regional, qualified for the CrossFit Games for the first time, and I've gone back and competed in the games ever since. I mean, you just mentioned how confidence was important there. Do you think confidence was the difference in, in you actually qualifying and making it to the games? I, I think it's got to be. It at least played a factor. I don't know if it was the only thing, but that's always been a thing for me. Like you, you tell yourself all year that you can do something and that you want this thing and you're chasing it and working towards it, but it's not until you're actually there sometimes that you – can wrap your head around it and believe it. And it's been like that with a lot of things. So it was that way with regionals. And then when I got to the games for the first time in 2014, I kind of had this crazy breakout thing again, kind of like when I was in first place the first day of 2013, where I was like, whoa, how is this happening at the CrossFit Games in 14, my first year there? I think on the second day of competition, I found myself in first place again, winning the games. And that was like, the craziest, most mind-blowing thing to me because there were these guys that I'd been watching YouTube videos of for years and idolizing, and all of a sudden I'm winning this thing that I just wanted to go and compete in. And so I think th like being there in that position, and it happened to me last year as well, I got myself back into a qualifying spot, or I'm sorry, not a qualifying spot, a podium position 
I was in second place going into the last day of the CrossFit Games in 2017. And I had always wanted that. I'd always wanted to get on the podium. But once I was actually there, it finally felt real. And I finally believed that I could do it because it was happening. Um, I don't know if that really makes sense. But to me, I think within sport and probably in life, there is a difference between wanting something and imagining it. And then it actually coming to fruition and, and being true in real life. No, I mean, it certainly makes sense. And, and I don't think it has to make sense for someone. This is actually how it played out in your head. And this is what you were experiencing. I mean, I, it, it's cool to hear about the times you didn't qualify. And, and I would love hearing too, what the next day looks like for you. Are you, are you more motivated? Are you kind of depressed at that time? How do you rebound from that and then come back the next year even stronger and then have to do that again the next year? Yeah, it's interesting because that, after this year, I think I'm excited to make a piece of my story. I had never really thought of it that way, but for whatever reason, after the games this year, I every every year since then, I've had really, really high hopes of winning the games or at least getting on the podium. And every year, it has I've come just short of it, and that can be pretty demoralizing and, and hard to deal with. But I've come back every year and tried again and tried again and. I don't think that that is going to stop. So it reminded me a little bit of the little engine that could. I don't know if you've heard that story, yep. but it's just like this little train that has to take this huge load up this huge mountain and it's going up and up and up and it's uh, saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And it finally makes it. And I don't know why that was kind of my first thought that came to mind after the games this year when I finished in sixth place and had really, I really truly believed this year that I could get on the podium and a few things happened at the games and it just wasn't my year once again. And that reminded me like, all right, it's been 2014, 2015, 2016, 17, 18, where I haven't made it, but I've been really close and I'm not giving up and I'm just going to keep telling myself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. So just going to, I, and if that becomes a little piece of my story and I finally make it up and over the hill, then I think that'll be pretty awesome and something to be proud of when I look back on it. Yeah, no, certainly. It's funny you mentioned the little engine that could. And I mean, essentially the little engine with an eight pack and traps the size of Chipotle burritos. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering okay. though, <laughs> if you're looking at athletes in other sports, do you ever do that? Because there's been multiple athletes that, hey, they the first eight years of their NBA career, they won nothing. And then all of a sudden they win three championships, things like that. Do you ever look to other sports or other industries for motivation like that? Yeah, totally. I think I'll, I'll resonate with stories when they happen. I don't know if I go and seek out particular stories or analogies. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I've never really been a huge sport watching fan. Uh, um, I've always preferred to go and play sports, but I've never been super into watching football or watching basketball or hockey or soccer or any of those things. So I, when I do come across a really impressive athlete, um, like I was kind of enamored by Steph Curry a couple years ago when he was having just an amazing run. And I recognized like, wow, this guy is inspiring me just because of how great he is. And Conor McGregor, before he had all his crazy antics, he just was on this run of greatness and was winning everything and just super confident. And there, there have been little moments where certain people kind of just make me strive to be great like them. But 
nothing in particular where I've said, Oh man, this person has gone through this. And I think I can be like that, but I would love for the people that do look for those stories. I would love to be able to provide one of those for somebody, you know, maybe a kid that isn't, didn't, didn't start off his sport as the, the biggest or the strongest and just kind of worked toward it and finally achieved it. If I, I don't know, I would love to be able to inspire somebody that is not sure whether they, whether or not they can do it, but just commits fully. And I think that if you do that, then you can. Yeah, no, uncovering greatness is something I, I've been obsessed with in a large part and why I'm doing this podcast. You mentioned Conor McGregor. Have you seen that on uh, Netflix documentary on them? I have, yeah, I watched that recently. Yeah, that one's very cool. So, I mean, you kind of just mentioned the, the 2018 games. We're about three weeks out of those. Uh, you finished up. Can you give the listeners maybe who who haven't watched CrossFit in the past just kind of a, a more general recap on what happened? I know you mentioned where you finished and, and how that came to be. Absolutely. I finished in sixth place at the CrossFit Games in 2018, and that is my second best finish ever. I have finished since the first year that I competed in 2014, I finished eighth, 2015, eighth again, had a pretty bad year in 2016 and took 15th. So eighth, eighth, 15th, 2017 was my best year. I finished fourth, just a few spots off of the podium. And then this year I finished in sixth and, um, it was, this year, I really, I mean, every year you go in with the confidence that you can achieve your goal and make it. Cause I, if you go in saying like, Oh, I'm not ready this year. This isn't, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to do it. Then I think you're definitely starting off on the wrong foot. So I think everybody goes in and says, all right, this is it. I'm fully prepared. But I had dug in this season. I moved to Alpharetta, Georgia to train with my coach and a training partner, trained really hard all year, fully committed to nutrition, training, recovering. And my prep was probably the best it had ever been. I was super healthy. And so I was like, all right, this has to be it. If there's any year that I'm going to do it, it's this year. And, you know, it's just, uh, started off on not a great note. We had a, a bike race as our first event and my pedal popped off the bike halfway through. And, and that was just kind of, that ended up being the story of the weekend for me. There were all these little things that kind of kept happening. And I definitely don't want to pass the blame off onto anything else. It's, it was, it's all in my control and it's, my, like I earned the place that I took, but I just had a hard time leveling out and having these really good smooth performance. Like the weekend definitely didn't go the way that I wanted it to. And it was a little bit frustrating. However, it was actually probably the most special year that I competed at the CrossFit Games. I think you mentioned at the beginning that you could kind of tell out on the floor through the screen or whatever that I just had this good attitude and, and it really was the fans that helped me be that way this year. And I had recognized in the past that the fans are awesome and they're supporting us, but whatever it was this year, something just clicked with me and I felt so loved and so supported and so just full in my spirit and soul and energy and placement aside, I felt really I just fulfilled this year and in, in my 
kind of like the story that this year would tell for my legacy that I leave in the sport. I feel like the fans got to see the real me and I got to see the real them. And that was pretty special to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's about impact and, and we kind of mentioned this a little bit, a little while ago and the impact you actually are having on the fans of CrossFit, the other competitors. And it is, it's truly infectious. The, the impact you have on them. I mean, it's funny you finished sixth fittest man on the planet, but still disappointed. Do you set goals going into the games and, and where did you actually want to be standing at the end of the day? I would say that every year until probably this year, I had always said, I'm going to the games. I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. And I always want to win, right? I don't think anybody doesn't want to win whatever they're doing, but that I kind of had, I, this year I changed it instead of just this one bodacious goal of wanting to win the CrossFit games. I said, you know what, let me break that down a little. And I said, my primary goal and the one thing that would be the most fulfilling and amazing would be to win the CrossFit Games. But I don't want that to be the only thing and be disappointed if that doesn't happen. So a secondary goal for me was to get on the podium. And that also, even though it was just a secondary goal, that would be huge to me. And that would be kind of a dream come true and really special. So that, those were kind of the, the two goals. Um, anything beyond that, Last year, I had finished fourth, so the only step above that is third, second, or first, and that's getting me on the podium. So I didn't want to set any goals worse than I had done the year before, obviously. So it was basically either podium or bust for me, and I just fell a little bit short of that. But the second that the games were over, I thought, all right, let's do it again. I'm ready. I'm, I'm motivated. And I know that I physically and mentally can do it and am ready to try again until I can make it happen. I mean, that's the mindset I absolutely love and the listeners love hearing that as well. I'm so curious. You you mentioned right after finishing six, the, the mentality already changed. All right, I'm ready for 2019. What's your body like the next few days after the games? Are you just so beat down? I can't even imagine. <laughs> it's really funny because you would think that I would be exhausted and the next day I would want to sleep all day. And every year after the games, for whatever reason, I get in bed and I'm pretty restless. Like just, I think, cause you, you're a little bit sore everywhere. Every year is a little different. Sometimes it's a very quad dominant week of competing. And so your legs are wrecked or it's a pull heavy weekend and your arms are super tight. But this year it was pretty well-rounded. So instead of one particular body part being destroyed, just everything was at like a seven of soreness. <laughs> and I was just a little bit restless and I couldn't fall asleep for a while. And I finally did. And then rather than waking up at noon, I was up by like eight and ready to go and just wanted to get up and move around. And my girlfriend was actually the opposite. She's like, why can't you just be tired? Let's sleep in and relax. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's usually a couple of days after the games. I like to just totally unload and not do any type of training, kind of enjoy whatever city we're in. It's been Madison the past two years before I was out in LA. So go explore and enjoy some time out there and hopefully be able to feel like you can celebrate a little bit your performance. I haven't been able to like fully, fully celebrate. You know, I think if I make it on the podium, it'll be a party and 
just amazing, but I still have not achieved that. So every year after the games, it's a more subtle celebration, like a dinner with family and friends and just kind of this year, actually it was nice. We got together with a tight group of my family and friends and Guido, who's a, an awesome guy is a great public speaker and very bold guy. And he decided to start up this little like thankful circle and it was probably 15 of us and we just went around one by one around a couple boxes of pizza and just talked about what we were thankful for that weekend and that just kind of did the same thing that the support that it had all weekend did for me just filled me up and made me feel really thankful and loved and inspired to keep going and providing those same group of family and friends with special moments like that for years to come yeah i'm sure a moment in an event like that kind of puts things in perspective and, and helps you refocus. You mentioned your preparation for this game was entirely different than anything else. You mentioned that you moved to Georgia for this. First off, what made you make that decision that you were basically going to go all in, uproot yourself, change your diet, change your routine? And then what were some of the specifics of that? My girlfriend, Joanne, is probably the most special person in my life. And we've been together for just about five years now. And, um, it's, it's tough. Cause I, the CrossFit thing has been pretty controlling of my life in the sense that I've got to travel somewhere to compete sometimes. And I've got to spend a lot of time training and it just, it takes up a lot of what we do. And she's been awesome and understanding on that, but I always, always try not to let it completely control our lives and have as much balance as possible. And I want to be fair to her. And so when I started working with my coach, Max El Haj with Training Think Tank, he was trying to convince me to move up there. He thought it'd be better for us to work in person. And I was always kind of hesitant because we lived in Miami. Joanne had a job down here. And I was like, I, I, can't, I don't want to leave Joanne. And I don't want to ask her to quit her job and move. So I'm sorry, like I can't commit to that right now. I'll come up and visit and train often. But I not going to do that to us. And about a year ago, Joanne decided she wanted to go to PT school and she would have basically a, a one year gap between when she started the application process, got accepted and would start school. And she was the one that said, Hey, I know Max has been trying to get you to move up to Alpharetta. I've got this year gap. If you want to commit to that, I'm, I'm down. And I think that's like the definition of the a ride or die chick, you know, like she said, you want to do this. I've got this time. I'm, I'm ready to commit. I want to be there for you. And that was amazing. And so we were able to go up there and spend a good 10 months together up there. And then she came back down a little early to start PT school here at UM. And I think that was awesome. That was a commitment that she made to our relationship. And then I decided I want us to be together. And if she's going to go to PT school in Miami, then I'm going to move back to Miami and figure out how to train back here again. So it's balance on both of our parts. I mean, what fans perspective, when we're watching the game, we see the competitor, but I don't think we think about the support staff that goes into getting that competitor there and, and how important is having a support staff like Joanne, like some of the coaches you've mentioned in your life. It's huge. I, I don't, I, I'm sure this could be a little cliche rant of how you couldn't have done it without all those people. But I really do think that's true. I can't imagine myself going on this journey alone and 
um, just a, a little anecdote. That's a cool story that this year at the games, Joanne couldn't make it out until halfway through the competition because she had a final exam down here in Miami. And so just being the sweet guy that she is, she reached out to a bunch of our friends and made a little compilation video of probably 30 of our friends with a quick note, just kind of a little selfie saying, Hey buddy, good luck this weekend. We believe in you. We love you. So proud of you. And it was a 10 minute video of all of my closest friends just wishing me luck and telling me that they supported me. And that kind of made all the difference. I'd had a pretty tough first day of competition and that night she sent me that video and I just had this huge smile on my face laying in bed and was able to kind of drift off to sleep feeling like I was in the right place and that I had already won, you know, no matter how I did out there that these people did love me and that I was making them proud. And that that would be my goal for the weekend was to put forth an effort that would continue to make them proud. And I know that the position that you finish in is, is something that makes kind of the celebration a little bit more fun. So if I had gotten on the podium, we probably would have had a little bit of a crazier night after, but no matter what, whether it was third or six, it still was the same amount of love and support from all those people. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool hearing that story about the people who, who love you most and their support for you and, and how that can impact you during competition. I want to know what you're looking forward to in 2019. I know there's talks there might be some potential changes happening to the games. Yeah, man, there's some crazy stuff going <laughs> on right now. And there's uh, been no confirmation yet officially from CrossFit headquarters on what these big changes are going to be. Um, so I'm kind of holding off from making any drastic decisions or uh, forming any opinions until we do hear what the official news is. But my plan for now, while I'm still physically very healthy and motivated and in a good position to continue to train and compete is to do so. And I will be back in Miami doing a, a little bit of travel. I'll, I'll bounce up and down from Alpharetta occasionally to train with my coach and Travis Mayer is a friend of mine and fellow games athlete. So I think it'll be a similar season to the last in terms of training and preparation. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how this change affects people. It may, they're talking about how or they're talking about potentially only one person from every country being able to qualify from the games or for the games. And then there would be a handful of spots outside of that that could be earned through kind of local competitions. And I had, I didn't compete in many of those last year, but if there's only one spot out of the U S then I may have to find a couple other competitions to secure myself a spot at the game. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm looking forward to continuing to chase that goal of being the fittest man on earth once again. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to dive deep on, on the speculation there. We'll leave that one at rest and maybe we'll be talking about that in a year from now. But preparing for the games, what are you doing differently? What did you say, hey, in 2018, I, I should have focused on this more? And uh, a lot of the listeners, they sent in questions. They heard you were coming on and they are just obsessed and about your daily training and, and your diet, nutrition, all of the little things. And I know your YouTube page is incredible for kind of giving, pulling back the curtain and let, letting the listeners see, but can you just go into what you're currently focusing on right now for the 2019 games and then what a day in the life looks like? Yeah, 
that's cool that uh, people are interested in all that stuff. And the YouTube thing is actually something I'm investing a little bit more time and energy into this season. I'm going to try to put out a weekly video that just gives everybody a little bit more insight. Um, Go all in on so that. that. Your YouTube, honestly, yeah. is, is awesome. And so the more content you have there, I, I'm not joking, like the listeners, they eat that stuff That's up. That's cool. Yeah, so it is cool to see you doing that. Yeah, I didn't realize that until recently. So now that I do, and now that I am aware that everybody's so interested, I'll definitely commit more to it. But um, this year, I I think that it'll be relatively similar to last year, um, training and prep wise, like I would train <laughs> the, the prep cycle, like one month out from the games was pretty wild. We were doing five a days. And when my coach first introduced that schedule to me day one, we were kind of building it day by day. And I saw day one and I was like, man, I don't know how long my body's going to be able to keep up with that. And he said, all right, we'll just take it by day by day. We'll see how you feel every morning when you wake up. And I would do this crazy five a day and be exhausted by the end of it and go to bed and wake up and be like, wow, I feel better than I thought I would. Let's do it again. And just kind of kept doing that over and over and over and over again and survived the whole month of that. So I know I can handle the volume. Um, I don't know if it's absolutely necessary for an entire season to be crushing yourself with seven hours of training a day. Um, so I think looking at the leaderboard this year is probably uh, a good thing to do before you start your next season to kind of see where some deficiencies are. It's like watching tape in other sports. And interestingly enough, I've kind of closed the gap on a lot of the stuff that used to be my, my weaknesses. So all the strength stuff, like one rep max, heavy lifting, I had a lot, a lot of trouble with. And so I focused a ton on lifting for the first few years of competing at the games. And rather than taking a bottom place finish on that, like I had in the past this year at the games on the strength events, I ended up actually almost taking two top 10 finishes out of the 40 guys. So that showed me that I'd improved there a lot and will continue to improve there. And the powerful stuff, like the short high power stuff, I've improved on a lot and some of that showed. But one of the things that I used to think that I was pretty good at relative to the field, and I don't know if adding the strength and power took away from this a little bit, but more of the cyclical endurance type of events. Those were the ones that were my worst finishes. So the, the biking event, obviously there was a little mishap in there. If you discount that, I was somewhere middle of the pack, but I'd like to improve on that. The biking, the running, there was a run bike workout combo that I didn't do that well on and uh, a run swim combo, which I feel like I should do better on. So believe it or not, it's transitioned from the strength work to now I think my focus will be a lot more on what we call just cyclical monostructural work, whether it's spending like big chunks of time, biking, rowing, running, working on the basics, like going back to basics almost, which is funny, but hopefully those are spending time on that. will close those gaps like I have on the other stuff and potentially be the pieces that I was missing that can get me up on the podium next year. I mean, what I'm so in awe of, I mean, I, I played athletics at, at the highest professional level, but but thinking about five a days for a month straight, I mean, can we just talk about how many days a week were you actually doing that 
for a week. <laughs> and then can you kind of talk us through, all right, say it's Monday and can you kind of break down the five different workouts? Cause I just can't even comprehend yeah. that workload. I'll actually, I'll grab my phone right now and try to I save all my training days in my notes section. So I'll jump back to one of those training days and read a little bit of it off, but yeah, that would be so cool. I mean, it's funny you hear about football and they've got two days and three days, but I can't comprehend five a days with just how yeah. hard you guys are revving your engine. Let's see. I'm trying to think of one particular day. That was very tough. When... All right. I mean, this is, this was one uh, big day and then there were others like this, but on July 6th, I had an AM session that was a kind of, we did a simulation of a cyclocross race. So we did like a 15 minute all out bike sprint around a park locally. And then shortly after went back and did five different high power intervals. So I did four time, 16 burpees over the bar, three snatches at 245 for time. So it was under one minute, but super fast, super heavy, had a few minutes to recover and then had four other pieces very similar to that. And then we went at noon and did sprint work at the field with one of the coaches from training think tank that was a collegiate football player. That was about an hour of sprint work. And we finished with like two, 200 all out sprints, which was tough. Came back at four and did Amanda 45, which was an old CrossFit Games workouts, 13, 11, 9, 7, 5 reps of muscle ups and squat snatches at 135. And then spent about an hour afterwards doing a bunch of strongman stuff. So overhead yoke walks, heavy, heavy yoke carries, sandbag carries, sled pushes, and farmer carries. So that was one, two, three, four, five sessions in the day. You are psychotic. And, <laughs> I, so I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but I, I don't know. I think we just broke it up in a way like every session was its own session. So I would go refuel, even if it was a little meal, get off my feet for a little bit, come back and broke it up in a way that I felt pretty smooth and good. It, I never, what I had done in the past, I would try to smush everything into just this one huge session. And that was when it felt overwhelming and exhausting, but I don't, for whatever reason, I did a, a decent job of surviving that month of those types of training sessions. So when you woke up that morning, uh, did you have the full day's workout plan or did you just start, Hey, we have session one, this is what session one's going to be. And then go on from there. Because the CrossFit game sometimes is announced to you on the spot. There are a few, like we'll know usually half of the events before the game start. And then the other half, they announce the day of. And so my coach kind of worked in some of that prep during the lead up. And I would get to the gym having no idea what I was going to do. And he would just write it on the board and I'd go from there. And I think that was one of those days. I actually, I do remember that day <laughs> he my coach messaged me the night before and said, meet me at Will's Park at 7 a.m. with your bike. And that was it. That was all I got. I had no idea if we were going to do a 10-mile like open road thing or this course that we ended up doing. And I don't know. It was kind of cool and exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. But I think that did a good job of preparing me for the games. Yeah, no, I like that approach. And I'm just thinking about the, the calorie expenditure 
in a day like that and then compile that for an entire month. So what is your sleep like? And then how are you possibly fueling enough during the day? I mean, how can you even get that many calories into your body? Yeah, it's it's not as insane an amount of calories as you would think. I I was tracking my macros around that time, which I feel for me was probably the best way to make sure I was getting enough fuel and feel like I was kind of checking that box off on my training. Like, all right, I accomplished eating exactly what I was supposed to today. And so around that period of time, I was taking in anywhere from five to 600 grams of carbs, about 180 grams of protein and like hundred grams of fat. And I think that only comes out to be like just under 4,000 calories, which is really not that much. Um, I know that everybody's seen like the Michael Phelps video where it says he was eating 10,000 calories a day. So I think people expect that and are a little underwhelmed when it's like, Oh, all right. That's a pretty average amount of food. But, um, that was kind of what I was doing for fueling and trying to keep it healthy. Like I wasn't eating donuts and candy just to make sure I got calories in. I would use some supplements, a carb supplement that I kind of helped develop with a sponsor of mine, X works and, taking a, a lot of carbs that way, about a hundred extra grams a day through that. And then making sure everything else was a pretty healthy source. I was using go-go squeeze, these like little baby food applesauce pouches. I would have like five of those a day because it's just fast and easy and tasty. So finding ways to stay fueled. Um, my sleep was, it was good. I think I was getting in bed because I was tired probably at like 10 or 11 every night, which for me is early to normal and then waking up at probably 8 a.m. So I was getting in or like 7 or 8 a.m. So I was definitely getting in uh, a good 8 to 10 hours every single night variable depending on how I was feeling. But um, sleep was good. Nutrition was good. The training was good and my body was staying healthy and I would wake up feeling better than I'd expected. So I would say it was really good prep. Like everything went smoothly leading up to the games. Yeah. I mean, I think the sleep component of that's so vital. I'm also curious, did you have any other recovery things you used? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll go on Instagram and see people who did like a, a 20 minute cardio workout, but they're going to the the cryo lab after and, and here you yeah. are, you're doing, you're doing a five a day and I'm, I'm curious what you're doing. Uh, I try, I did a little bit of everything, kind of everything that was at my disposal. I would try to take advantage of. So I have Mark pro is one of my sponsors. I was always just slapping that on. It's a little East in to help flush your muscles. Um, I have a Norma tech, which is like the compression air filled boots. I would use those often. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting some vital pieces of recovery. Uh, do you do any like heart rate variability? I know we've talked about that with some different guests on the podcast before. No, I haven't messed around too much with that. I'm honestly not even very educated on what, methodology there is behind that. But, um, I, I do know at one point I, I had a, was an oxygen saturation monitor and I don't know, there's some data that I think is useful. And then there's some stuff where it's just like extraneous information, you know, like the, I was using the a sleep monitor at one point and I would wake up and it would tell me you slept super poorly or, or you subbed really well or it was up and down. And I was like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that information? You know, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to change the course of my day necessarily because I woke up three times in the middle of the night and didn't even realize, but I, I don't know. Some stuff is, is valuable. Some stuff is just 
extra, you know, too much. Um, so I tried to keep it pretty basic and just go by feel. If something was super sore, I would take care of it or lay off of it. And if I was feeling good, then I would just keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, CrossFit's cool. You, you've mentioned it, some of your sponsors. And the reason I think it's cool, it's similar to lacrosse, not one of the main four sports where your salary for playing is going to be the bulk of your income. You got to rely on sponsorship and, and other yeah. revenue streams. Can you kind of talk us through what it's like to be an a-, a CrossFit athlete right now? Yeah, so it's it's finally gotten to the point where you can make a living off of just competing in CrossFit. And I think people are still surprised by that. They're like, what else do you do besides CrossFit? And I said, no, just, just that right now, just competing and training uh, full time. So I have, I'm fortunate enough that I have some awesome sponsors that support me both like emotionally and belief wise, and also financially, obviously that's important to be able to support yourself in that way so that I can dedicate my time to training and not have to worry about earning an extra income somewhere else. And competing as well, there are competitions. The CrossFit Games obviously has a paycheck at the end of it, which depending on how well you do, the the bigger or smaller the check. And there are other local competitions that have some decent prize purses out there. So all that being considered, I was just able to buy my first home down here in Miami and super grateful for that. And that is honestly 100% from my CrossFit career. It's a combination of sponsors and competing and do it just being a little bit business minded and starting to hustle and do some stuff on Instagram and YouTube and adding a little bit of revenue through that and programming on my website and some merchandise. But it's all because of CrossFit and the fitness industry, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, CrossFit's the engine that's, that's going to run everything else for you. But you mentioned some of those other things kind of one final question. I just want to know what are those things you're going all in on in the end of 2018, 2019? I know you mentioned your YouTube page doing more there. You mentioned you have some programming on your website. I want to know where the listeners can kind of best stay connected with you and what they should be looking out for. Totally. The, my Instagram is probably my, my favorite thing to, um, keep running. I just, I like putting out content there making sure it's all good content. So at N O H L S E N is my page and my main man, Max, Maximus Olsen has his own page too, which is fun. He's sitting by my feet right now, big old golden retriever. Um, but yeah, there are other places that I'm investing some time in now and YouTube is one of them. I am going to hire somebody part-time down here in Miami to kind of be on my media quote unquote team and just try to get content a few days per week compile it all. And then every single week, I want to put out a vlog style video that has a combination of training and lifestyle stuff and outside of the gym stuff. And I want the theme to be like, just what my life is hard work and really getting after it when you need to. And then outside of that, enjoying it and being positive and having fun. So hopefully that's enjoyable to people. And my programming is available online rather than writing my own, because i have not committed time to that. I commit my time to training and I have a coach that writes my program for me. And I figured, Hey, if this program works really well for me, I think it would be a cool thing if my coach doesn't mind, which he doesn't to share with the world along with all of my results and notes for the day. So I 
created my website, noolson.com, and my program is up there, and it has uh, all my workouts for every single day along with what I would send back to my coach about how I was feeling, what my time was, how I broke the workouts up, which is pretty cool as well. Um, and then, yeah, just working on some merchandise stuff. Now I am starting to get a little bit more into fashion and Nike is one of my sponsors and they have put out some really cool shoes. And I'm like just at the beginnings of becoming a sneaker head, I guess is <laughs> what they would call it. So, um, I'm just having fun with that and would like to be able to design some cool t-shirts and hats and stuff for people to be able to wear and represent and enjoy as well. Well, it's been so cool talking with you, diving deep uh, on your origin story and then hearing about your mindset throughout the games. And then I love hearing about the entrepreneurial mindset and, and what you have going on now. And I know the listeners are really going to enjoy that. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be in uh, in Miami in a few months. I would love to kind of connect with you, maybe come by, see a workout, but I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. And then also putting that positive vibe and that inspiration out there for, for the young CrossFit fans or people who are just looking to, to get up and kind of be a little bit more active. So Noah Olson, I can't thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There. My pleasure. Thanks for allowing me to share my story. If you're like me and love to travel, then listen up. Are you looking to get outside your comfort zone in 2018? Are you tired of the monotony of your nine to five job with no adventure? Do you want to connect with new people on Epic Adventures? If so, then Globekick is what you're looking for. Globekick is redefining travel for the millennial generation. Globekick knows that memorable travel is built on the quality of the experience you have and the people you connect with along the way. That's why their members can choose from curated travel experiences throughout the year with like-minded people. Unlike other travel providers, Globekick members get to know each other through a private social network before choosing when and where they travel together. In 2018, they've teamed up with partners around the world to feature a Sahara Desert camping trip out of Morocco in May, a boating journey through the Sandblast Islands in the Caribbean in August, and a volunteering trip to an elephant sanctuary outside of Cambodia in December. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then head to globekick.com and enter WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. That's globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.